This episode of Meet Me for Coffee is brought to you by Chatter365. It's a new app for your iPhone and Android that helps you keep in contact for business, family, and your community. I use this app and I absolutely love it to communicate with my friends and set up meetings, especially for this show. And Ron, I definitely recommend that you use it for your guests at getting them in the loop and sharing information and setting up meetings is pretty cool. Our second sponsor for the show is Coffee Cola. And I just opened up one right now. It's great on a day like today, super hot. Up here in Canada, it's almost 35 degrees Celsius. I don't know what the, the conversion is in Fahrenheit, but on a hot day like this, I like to be outside. I look for other alternatives, and coffee cola is the thing for me. It's carbonated. It smells like coffee. It has a coffee taste, not too much caffeine, and it also mixes with my favorite drinks, and it's amazing. Check them out, coffeecolacanada.com. Right now, I have the amazing Ron Russell from Los Angeles right here. No, 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 Palm Springs. Palm Springs, Palm Springs. Yeah, 120 out. And I could use that cola. It looks delicious. Well, I'm sure they're watching this right now. So this is... The coffee cola. I'm a coffee freak. I love that chilled right now in this hot desert weather. Boy, would that be a thrill. I'll send some... It sounds like it's going to be absolutely delicious. Oh, and, it, and it mixes well with uh, bourbon, uh, whiskey, um, or just anything. Uh, you know what? People who, you know, my kids like it too. So it's, it's half decent. Well, so Just don't give them any bourbon. No, no, no <laughs> bourbon. I keep that stuff for my wife to get her loose and going for when I need her to. So, or get her to calm down. I, Ron, I, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. And I know you just celebrated your 80th birthday and congratulations. You, you made it this far, but with coming this far, you learn from your experiences and, and, and for someone who's been in entertainment as long as you have. 58 years. 58 years. Oh my God. I can't even like, I'm thinking like I only have 50 years to live like 80, 90. I'm, I'm only 31, but you've seen a lot of change in Hollywood. How has Hollywood changed from the time you've, began the time like to the present time oh my god first of all the thrill is gone the magic is gone the the excitement of a film is gone i was 19 years old and my brother-in-law evan j anton who we spoke about before was a producer and he had a very good friend that was on production for a film called that kind of woman with sophia loren and tab hunter and they were shooting that film out in long island at a railroad station pretending that it was Miami Beach, Florida. Uh, I I was mad about Sophia Loren. I just thought she's the greatest thing in the world. And I said to my brother-in-law, I would like to be an extra on that film. So my brother-in-law pulled strings and got me in, but I played a soldier. Uh, I got to meet Sophia and I got to meet Tab Hunter who became a lifelong friend until Tab passed away just recently. Um, The cameras were big. Lots of people running around, exciting, big stars, uh, a movie, three months to make, four or five different locations, the roach coach, as we called it, which you ate off of, the director's chairs that we sat in in between takes, talking with these great stars, the fun, the laughter, the, the joy, and then, of course, the actual film. And they're going to the opening night of the film. Other big stars there. 
it was glamorous. That's the only word I could say to you. And as a 19-year-old boy, it was, it was stupendous. Now I do movies. I have quite a few ahead of me. This year I've got about six or seven or eight films I'm doing. Um, I'm not excited at all, especially now with this 19 thing, the virus. We're only allowed three on the set, so people can't be, you know, usually we would all go to see each other's work. Even if we weren't in the shot that day, we would, you know, go to watch. The more you see the other actor working their parts, when you do your part, you understand the film better. Now we are under quarantine, even on the set. I don't know how we're going to work it. I'm on camera with two other actors. I play a sergeant, Sergeant Milan, in a movie called Clown Motel 2, which is going to be much better than Clown Motel 1. Because Clown Motel 1 started off to be a horror movie, and it turned into being one of the campiest movies you'll love. It's as good as Killer Tomatoes and Clowns from Outer Space. It is a funny horror movie, and I adore it as a comedy. But as a horror scary film, no way. Um, but Clown Motel 2, they've really got to improve it. Joe Kelly is doing a wonderful job with it. He's got every major actor in horror movies in the film. Um, when I, you know, since Lionsgate came on the scene, I'm in two Lionsgate movies, we're not allowed to use our own uh, thoughts. If I, if I don't like a line because it doesn't feel well with my character, I can't ask the, the director to change a line. Not allowed. Lionsgate wants it per letter. Lionsgate, you're not allowed to uh, be funny on the set. I was being wired by a sound man and he was going up my trousers to bring the, the sound box to my hip. And he couldn't get it up there because I had sort of tighter slacks on. So I said, let me drop my pants. And I did. And while he was on his knees wiring me, I said, oh, by the way, while you're down there. And it's a joke, you know, <laughs> a, a gay joke. Why are you down there? Well, it got back to Lionsgate. And Lionsgate told uh, the director, no way. That was Thomas J. Churchill. They told Church, no way, he can't get away with that. I'm a flirt, even though I'm a gay guy. I still like women. I think they're beautiful. I like big boobs. So all these girls that are on the horror movie circuit, they're all gorgeous with these gigantic knockers. So how could you not make flirty remarks about them? You know, kidding around, nothing vulgar. Maybe a little vulgar. But nothing that's, that's meant to be anything other than a flattering joke. No. Now, Jane Russell, who was my very dearest and best friend, the legend Jane Russell, uh, was making a film with Clark Abel, and she was singing something about the apples on my tree. I'm, you know, look at my apples. And Clark Abel was laying on the floor off camera, and he said, get over here, baby. I'll look at your apples. You know, stuff like that. That we used to, we used to enjoy our little double entendres and our jokes. No more. No more. So now filmmaking has become a fact, a really ugly factory. You go in, you go to makeup, you go to hair, you go to wardrobe, you go on the set, you do your lines and you go home. So it's become just basically work. Not even work, torture. Because um, you're working 12 hours a day. Um, we don't do the, you don't get rehearsal. Years ago we rehearsed a scene. Oh, that's the other thing. If actors you're working with are on the set, years ago we would talk to each other and say, listen, 
when you do this to me, I'm going to tell you this. And we, we would discuss what were we going to do before we shot the scene to make the scene authentic and have some body to it. Not allowed. No more. So I just feel that it's become like the rest of my country. My country is in a bad way, very bad way. People are, are unhappy. People are, are, are picketing or rioting, whatever you want to call it, for a good reason. We have a lot of negativity in our country right now. The, the, the virus has destroyed so many businesses and lives. And then the, the, the bad riot is, not the good ones, but the bad riot is went and destroyed stores, Gucci and Dolce Gabbana. I mean, what the hell do they have to do with being black? Some of their best customers are black. So we really have become a racist country now because before that, I didn't think we had racism, at least not with my black friends. My black friends are all intelligent, educated people like C.C. Benson, uh, you know, my dearest friend in the world. And uh, so many of the great actresses, uh, Sherry Belafonte, Harry Belafonte's daughter is my good, good friend. Now we've brought attention to our color. For a while there, we forgot there was a thing about color. Anyway, with all of this comprised and piled up on top of no longer having a system in, this, in the movie making, I'm sad. Very sad, because they took a wonderful, fun thing and turned it into a very unpleasant thing. I'm not the only one that feels this way. All of the actors that I've worked with and the ones that I'm going to work with or who I've worked with, we've all spoken and we agree. Now, Angie uh, Joseph, who's doing a Clown uh, Motel 2 also, I call her Angie Baby. She's my friend. She said, don't worry, Ron, we're going to make it as pleasant for you on the set as we can. So we'll see. But um, actually, another thing. Years ago, we took three months to make a movie. Now we do it in 10 days. No rehearsal. Read your lines, hit your marks, and go home. 10 days. Holy cow. 10 days is our shooting schedule for all these films. I think Clown Motel is 12 days. Um, years ago, we'd sit down with the director, and we'd say to the director, my character is more than what you are telling me to do. My character has this vision, or my character does this every morning when he wakes up. And the director would say, yes, Ron, I see your point. Let's make your character do this and that. And we would change it around, and it came out better. Now the director doesn't do that. Now you go in and the director yells at you. Sometimes humiliates you. Sometimes gets you crazy when you walk off a film. No, it, it's it's changed. Absolutely, it's changed. Young people have changed. The youth, the youth of today doesn't have the respect that we were raised with. We respected elderly people. We respected the president no matter who he was or what he did. We respected the police department, even though they were brutal at times, especially as gay people. But we always kept respect. Of course, coming from an Italian home, as you would come from a Greek home, you know that that's very important. Respect your grandmother, your grandfather, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles. We were raised on respect. Today, the kids seem to be, they are the privileged children. They called, once somebody jerk wrote it on my Facebook page and said, you're, the, you're a privileged white man. 
What the hell are you talking about, jerk off? I was born in Brooklyn and the projects were poor people. Half of the projects was black. I grew up with all black kids. And I'm privileged white. <laughs> I mean, that's like saying that uh, some of my black movie star friends were privileged. They weren't. They started off in ghettos and educated and learned the craft and became movie actors. They weren't privileged. They became privileged through hard work. So you got to understand that privilege is maybe like Donald Trump was born to money. He's a privileged person, but certainly not me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I answered your question a little too much. Well, I think that, that people today, uh, there's a saying when I was growing up, and I'm sure you've heard about it. I mean, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it at all. Um, that we were raised with that respect. And obviously, I'm, you know, maybe I'm guilty of it as well. A lot of people think that their opinion um, needs to be heard. And, you know, sometimes that really causes a lot of drama. You know, like you said, we respect the president, respect your elders. Everybody wants to speak up now. I don't know why, but that's... Because, because they are rude. Because they weren't taught right. Because they came from households where perhaps their parents were racist. And now they're guilty and they're kind of, or they're going against their parents is what most children do when they're 17, 18, 19, 20. They rebel. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but all I know is that somebody posted something on my face. Oh, my friend Marilyn posted a picture on Facebook. It was a very old lady on a subway, bent over, hanging from the post, the pole, and seated with three young people. And the title was Things Have Changed. In my day, a pregnant woman or an elderly man or woman, if they came on the subway, we got up and gave them our seat. Today, that's not the case. Uh, most young people, not all, but most young people I find to be very rude. They are quick to insult you and call you names. They fight amongst each other like cats. I, I just think that we need to go back to the old school baby of teaching get off your goddamn computer and cell phone and let's talk let's learn what it's like to be a decent human being i have two friends on facebook that are dear dear friends of mine they despise and loathe donald trump one says i he's a piece of shit and i hope he dies i told my friend you're in the entertainment world you've written a couple of books you've just lost every republican that could have bought your book or went to see you work. And the other one I told her saying, he's got a little TV show. And I say, you've just, because people contact me. They say to me, Ron, how could you be the Republicans? How could you be friends with those two horrible people? So you see, it's called career suicide. And you can't do that anymore. You can't be free to speak what you want to speak. I made a statement on Facebook a week ago that was so innocent and they didn't get what i meant i meant i want to repeat it but i meant that the people that were rioting and breaking into store windows should be shot cc uh sykes the girl that was on abc tv here talking about her shop her store being burned and robbed is a black girl she's one of my dearest and best friends i adore her when i saw that cc store in melrose got destroyed i went nuts and that's why I wrote what I wrote. These people that are doing this horrible stuff should be shot. 
Because years ago, if you were a looter, you were shot. We've gotten too lenient, I think, with schools, children. I mean, I have friends that are teachers, and they say, oh, we can't say anything to us. The parents come up and they sue us. I had a teacher, a friend of mine, she's a heavy set lady, and the kid said, Mrs. So-and-so, sit on my face. I want to see how much you weigh. My day, you would never dare say this to a teacher. Never. The lack of respect, first off. And, you know, Again, respect. Going back to your friend's store, if, Easy, if, they're, if they're ruining her store and she is a colored or black, and this is all for that the Black Lives Matter thing, then what is it for? What, what is the protest? Well, she, she would be, Cece and I spoke after this. I shouldn't really sell too much because she has to be careful of what she spoke about. She came on television with her husband. Her husband is white. He's Swedish. Well, she got email from white people and black people that you are disgusting. You married a white guy, you're not black. Or the black people said whatever it was. You know what I mean? It was a horrible mess. So Cece, who was the victim, they burst into her store, blew out the windows, threw a, a cocktails, you know, whatever they're called, stole all of her inventory, and she kept screaming, I'm a black woman. Why are you doing this? And she was afraid they were going to kill her. Two black guys that were the good ones, the, the peacemakers, the people who were really protesting, big burly guys, went alongside of her to protect her. And I thought they were heroes. Because these people that were paid or whoever put them up to going in the crowd of peaceful marchers to do it because they hate Trump. This is all about hating Trump. They don't want Trump to come in office. And I said to friends of mine, if Trump comes back for four more years, oh boy, are they in trouble. Why? Because Trump doesn't care about his career anymore because he's only got four more years. He can't come back again. And in that four years, he's going to get even and make their lives so miserable. And he's going to put America back to right like Hitler or whoever. I don't care how he does it, as long as he does it. He could be Hitler. It's okay. Just don't kill Jews. Um, but Trump is going to be wilder and tougher than he is now if he comes back. That's why they don't want him back. So they have Joe Biden. I don't think he could be. Like, I, I think Trump will beat Joe Biden. Well, I, I, I'm not either one, by the way. I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. I'm a nobody. I gave up on voting a lot of years ago because I realized that no matter who I voted for, it turned out to be shit and did dreadful things in the country. They were screwing broads, they were getting drugs, they were getting kickbacks. And I thought, hey, everybody, I'm not in Brooklyn with the mafia anymore, you know, so why should I vote in a, a mafia president? So I don't vote anymore. People hate me for it, but that's my right. If I want to not vote, I don't have to vote. But at least you're not siding with somebody. You don't, you don't vote, so you're not siding with anybody. I can't side. I mean, there are many things that Trump does that annoys the hell out of me. And I just think that Biden is dangerous because on, on a speech the other day, he said, I will win. I will beat Joe Biden. I mean, that's who he is. And he's, he forgot Trump's name. And he, he said he's going to beat Joe Biden. And I thought, you know, I'm 80. I know what that's like when I forget names and I get a little weird when I'm traveling around. <coughs> and I forget who I am, not who I am, but what I'm doing. And lots of times... Well, I have two names. My real name is Ron Serego, and my stage name is Ron Russell. 
So I'm not sure when who's calling for who. And I have to ask them now, who do you want, Ron Russell or Ron Sarego? It's terrible. But Let, let's get, let's get past the politics and all. Yes, this. I just wanted to do that because Jimmy's going to kill me for doing it. But I'm just so frustrated that I had to say something about it. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on online. You know, I know a few people that have been posting pictures of pallets of bricks being delivered downtown to major cities, and you know, possibility of uh, this is all being people being hired to go. Uh, actually riot instead of protest. So there's a lot of different perspectives. and You don't know what well, to believe anymore, right? My question is, how did the bricks get there? The protesters well, didn't bring them. That's my question. <coughs> Excuse me. The protesters didn't bring them. Somebody brought them in truckloads. So Trump didn't bring them, that's for sure. So who knows? Anyway, we'll get away from politics, like you said, because I'm choking. When I when I think of what's going on in my country, well, you know what your your country isn't any better than ours. Our our country is is more divided than ever. Uh, your country is divided as well. I'm sure there's a lot of other countries that feel the exact. You, you have a black white problem in Canada. Our our prime minister says we don't, but he's also been photographed in photos. With a, there was a blackface photo that emerged with him. He dressed up as a, a black guy. For, that doesn't make him a racist. He just could have nope. been a Halloween costume. Yeah. Well, I know. That's, that was, that's what people I are think you have. Well, you have like three black people in all of Canada. I think. Oh, you don't have a big black population. Oh, we, we have a lot. We have tons of culture. Really? Yeah. Lot, lots of Greek people as well. You know, it's kind of cool to know that, you know, you've got some Greek blood in you as yeah. in you too, so. No, I know. I have a good friend, a Claude, uh, my friend Claude. He's French, French-Canadian. And uh, I met so many French-Canadian people up there. They speak French. My friend Paul Gennard, he owns Absolute, the uh, company that, not Absolute Vodka, the, the, high, the renting company of television and movie equipment. He also, when they do the Gay Pride Parade, supplies all of the toilets. Wow. Um, so I don't, yeah, I've got quite a few Canadian friends. We ne- they never, I like your socialized medicine. I wish we had that here. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously like um, the, 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 the medicine, you mean socialized medicine as in like legal marijuana or like of the healthcare system? Well, legal marijuana. Okay, folks. I, when I drive, I get worried that somebody's not bombed on legal marijuana and it's going to cause a head-on collision. So, you know, I don't believe in any kind of high driving. You know, both my daughters could be Canadian. My ex-wife was from, where was she from in Canada? I forgot. But outside, the south of Toronto. It's got a big, big, it's a big name. It's a famous name. Anyway, she was, no, big, big, big. She was Canadian and never became an American. She wouldn't give up her Canadian citizenship. So both my daughters can be uh, Canadian-American. A dual citizenship. Yes. And I said to them, if ever you need to have medical attention, definitely go to Canada and you can have socialized medicine. And the people there here say, oh, but if you need a liver or kidney, you have to wait forever. We have a friend of ours now who's on the list for kidney. You have to wait for forever. Yeah. What do you think? They're manufacturing livers? No. So, 
you know, it's a bunch of bullshit. Our system, our, our um, healthcare system is terrible. So many people don't have it because it costs three, four hundred dollars a month. And, you know, the rents a thousand, three thousand. Our rents are outrageous. Our real estate is a million bucks for a house or if you want to live in a dive and dump, you're going to spend three fifty, four hundred. I saw I saw Sue Wong's house, the Cedars. That's that's pretty pricey. Oh, Sue Wong! Now we're talking about somebody. <laughs> I'm talking to her tomorrow, so. Oh, I love her. Send her my love and kisses. I will. Sue Wong is not a privileged white woman. She's a Chinese broad, and is she fabulous? Let me tell you, that's one. I call her the 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 dragon lady. She looks stunningly beautiful in that everything she does. Yeah, Sue Wong. We're going to her birthday party. That's over, but she had to cancel it. And I understand her Malibu home is even better than the, the home that she lives in in L.A. You're going to find Sue Wong to be uh, terrific. But don't steal all my thunder because I have inside dirt on her that I'm going to talk to her about. I think she's on with us maybe next week or the week after. Oh, wow. Uh, I, you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, talking to many different people. I talked to you. I talked to Ryan Rondano, uh, the chef. Yeah, uh, Scott. I love him. Oh, his food is so good. Oh my God! If I could afford him, I'd have him do my parties. He charges 150 a person. Oh, that's like a wedding. A walk around. That's five waiters walking around with little shits there. 150. His food was brat. Oh my God! I never ate such food in my life. We were at a, a party in Beverly Hills when we met him, and. Uh, these flowers, we were eating flowers with food in them. It was, I mean, he's, he's, if you're rich, hire him. You'll be so happy. Who else have you got that I know? You did uh, Sherry Nelson. Sherry Nelson, yes. I spoke with her. Is she's, she not beautiful? She's super beautiful. She's amazing. Uh-huh. And, of course, she's Canadian, so that's why she's super beautiful. Um, yeah, but her background is not Canadian. Yeah, she's I not forgot, I forgot what she was, Norwegian or something. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Talking to people across the nation, across across the world. I I spoke with Scott Page the other day from uh Page. Now that's my good buddy. I that's love my guy. Oh Scotty is the best. He's my bud. Yeah, he's he's a dear dear friend of mine, Scott Page. We hang out when we were in LA. Uh, I'd love to hang out with him. There's tons to talk about. I was him yes. and him and Larry Hankin, I think I have lots I have lots more depth to go into with Larry. I don't know who that is. But I understand from Jimmy that you interviewed somebody from Cloud Motel 1. I, I believe so, yeah. I believe who? so. I'm trying to remember. Johnny Peretti? Possibly. I think he's so. He's my favorite guy on that film. Um, you know, more, I have to brag a little bit about Jimmy and I because sometimes it pisses me off. Twelve years ago, Jimmy and I were the only radio show that was out, that was doing what we were do, what he was doing. Then after I met Jimmy, uh, I became a, a, a guest, another guest, a co-worker on his show. And um, we worked very hard. I said to Jimmy, I don't do radio, I'm an actor. If I don't see people, I can't respond. I speak over them when they speak because I read lips when I work. We have to Skype out. Jimmy gave me such an argument. We fought in the car where I wanted to punch his face in so bad, I had to hold back. So I opened the car door and I got out and I began to walk. Now he's crawling alongside me, 
don't be stupid, get in the car, you crazy fuck, you're gonna get run over, blah, 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 blah. I said, no way, I'm leaving your show, I'm not a radio performer, and you are a thick-headed son of a bitch Irishman that you don't want to listen to what anybody says, you think you know it all, you're a control freak. I went on and on and on. Then I finally got in the car. Well, the next day he said, I thought it over, and yes, let's do Skype. Jimmy and I were the first ones to do Skype. No one had heard of it. Not Ellen, not you, no one. This is now nine years ago. That's what made our show successful. The fact that we had something that nobody else had, and that was Skype. Now there's a million interviewers popping up all over. Everybody wants to be an interviewer. Not easy, am I right? No, it's not easy at all. No, especially when you got one that doesn't shut up like me. You know, you you're sit. good. You're still good. You're good. Yeah, but you got to sit talk. there. You got to be sit there and be bored to death. I interviewed Cliff Robertson, the Academy Award winner. You know who Cliff Robertson was? Wonderful yes. actor. I wanted to kill myself on the set. I really did. Everything I asked him was, uh-huh, mm-mm, uh-huh, mm-mm, uh-huh. I said, I got to shake this one out of a bush. So I said to him, I heard your wife is a bitch. He said, no, she's not. She just plays bitches. And that got him rolling. So sometimes you have to uh, energize them. To start a fire. Yeah. Now I got, I had a little hint of that, how Joan Crawford tried to have sex with him at her house. So I said to him, tell us the Joan Crawford story, how Joan Crawford was in bed with a cherry cloth robe and her legs in the air and what you did. Now he had to answer. So he told the entire story. If you watch the Cliff Robertson interview on YouTube, you'll hear and see the whole story. Um, I missed acting, but nobody wanted me. You know, uh, I was at an age where it's difficult. Now that the uh, union, you know, SEG, gives $7,000 to a production if they hire an old bag over 75. So I get hired for that reason. They get $8,000. Um, also, they get a lot of perks if you hire an old Greg. And also, I'm a good actor. But they need older characters, you know, because the smart thing is uh, Al, not Al Pacino, the other one, Robert uh, De Niro. Yeah. Robert De Niro was in two movies with young stars and Robert De Niro. So the movie made a fortune. You know why? The old bags went to see Robert De Niro and the young kids went to see uh, whoever that woman was, the girl star. So they're doing a lot of that now. They're putting in older characters for the older audience and younger. They're no longer doing teen bop movies. You know, just for the So everything's bop. really changed in Hollywood completely. Well, it's like the first day I was back on the set of... Um, Clown fear. I thought, I was embarrassed. I said, I bet you they all think I'm a liar. I never made a movie. Because I had no idea what I was doing. Not a clue. I didn't recognize the camera. Oh, on uh, the big friggin' rat? I said, where's the camera? They said, oh, the camera's going to follow you. Don't worry where the camera is. See that man up there in the corner? He's got the camera. Uh, where's my key light? You don't need a key light. The room is lit. I don't have a key light? 
a light that I follow that follows me. Oh, best, the best. You got to hear this one. I, I'm going to flip out. We have marks. When you make a movie, they put crosses on the floor, X's. You walk from that X to this X to that X, so you're always in the right lighting, and you're not off screen. You're not off of focus. And I said, on oh, one production, where are my marks? They said, what mark? What do you want marks for? I said, what do you mean, what do I want marks for? How do I know where I'm going? And the director said, you go from that table against the wall, you walk across the room to that chair, and then you make a right, you go to the window, you pull back the curtain, you look, and then you make a U-turn and you go to the door and you open it, and then you do your line. I mean, really. Did you remember what to do? Of course I did. I mean, I was stupid not to. But, I mean, really, uh, in our day, it was so pro. It, they, they don't like... It's all changed, Ron. It's... it's, it's uh, you know, the actresses have changed. There's very bland acting. There's no uh, getting into the part. Um, by the way, I had, when I see Sophia Loren on, the, on her younger younger movies, I, I have the hots for her as well. I wish I could go back to that time. Oh, she was just the most charming. You know, she's Italian. English was terrible. I speak fluent Italian because I lived in Italy for a while with my grandmother. Um, so I managed to sneak around and get to her. And we were on a lunch break, and Sophia, there was a chair, George Sanders' chair was open next to her. And I went and I sat in George Sanders' chair. And before anybody could say anything, I began speaking in Italian to her. And she was laughing. And she, I never forget what she said to me in Italian. She said, your Italian is as bad as my English. And we started to laugh. Somebody came over and they said, oh, you can't do that. You can't sit with Miss Lorraine. I said, why is that? They said, you have to get up. You can't sit and disturb Miss Loren. Well, she, with those fiery eyes and quick Napolitan, not even good Italian in Naples, a dialect, she said to him in Italian, and then I saw her frustration, and then she stopped and she said, he, he stays here. I want him here. He stays here. And they got pissed off, and we became friends. And we chatted. On, I was on three-day shoot with her. And I told her, ma come sei bella, proprio la più bella di tutto il mondo. I said, how beautiful you are, the most more beautiful woman of the entire world. And she would say, vattene, va go away, vattene, get out of here. She was a sweetie pie. Um, I would love to see her again and talk about this little incident. I doubt she'd remember me. But I think Jimmy's tried to get us, get her on our show. I don't think she's going to Skype. I know a lot of my family is really into them, into her because they're very old school and they remember her movies. And uh, she also spoke Greek in a movie. I believe, what movie was that? I remember watching it. She speaks many languages. She speaks English, Italian, French, and I believe some Greek. She's such yeah. an amazing actress. Also, we talked about before, Elizabeth Taylor. What's your best memory of Elizabeth? Oh, my God. The first time I met her. What are you kidding I, I'm the founder of Have a Heart. Have a Heart was a organization of drag queens. And we did shows all over the country raising money for AMFAR. Elizabeth Taylor at that time was the head of AMFAR, which was an AIDS uh, benefit. Uh, I was going up to the AMFAR office and I ran into the girl that was doing all the production for our next show. And she said, would you like to meet Elizabeth Taylor? 
I said, what is the Pope Catholic? Of course I would like to meet Elizabeth Taylor. What are you out of your mind? She takes me in an office. That room is dark. They opened the Venetian blind and the light came in and there's this lady laying on a leather sofa. And I got, I would have been wake up Elizabeth Taylor. She got up and she was very still asleep a little bit. And they said, Elizabeth, or yeah, Elizabeth, we want you to meet Ron Russell, who is the head of, of Half a Heart. And she collected herself and then said, Have a heart, have a heart, have a heart. Oh, she said, Yes, you're doing something for us next week. And I said, Yes, I am. And we chatted. And when I left, I said to myself, Her eyes, they're nothing special about her eyes. They're blue with a little bit of green in them. And I was disappointed. I expected, you know, sparkling green jammy eye. Anyway, she was very nice. Then I met her at the White Ball. I met her at the friend's house. Um, oh, I, I, this is the saddest part of Elizabeth. Elizabeth came to Palm Springs to accept an award at the library. And she was in a wheelchair, barely able to speak. They killed the house lights. The stage was dark. They brought Elizabeth out in the wheelchair and they propped her up standing up and took the wheelchair off. Then they brought up the lights. She was barely able to speak or stand for long. The lights went down and they put her in the wheelchair and they brought her back. Few of us were allowed to go back in the green room or whatever they called it in the library to see Elizabeth. And I went back and we hugged and we held hands. And I said to her, I said, Sometimes Elizabeth, isn't life so fucking cruel? She said, fucking cruel. She said, it sucks, the big one. She said, are you kidding me? dirty mouth. Are you kidding me? She said, this, what did she call the wheelchair? I forgot, a chariot or something. She said, this fucking thing. Imagine what I got to be in this fucking thing. Anyway, she was a good person, not the brightest bow. She was a little um, childlike. She giggled a lot. And when she spoke, she spoke like a young girl. But that's because she was a young girl when she was famous. And even, what's her name, uh, Margaret O'Brien, who I know still today, Margaret's still alive, she's a child also, because she was a child actress in that day. But Elizabeth Taylor was an okay broad. Very nice lady. And finally, Ron, I know you, you're, you're a gay man, and you, you tell the truth. Uh, you you have uh, you try and uh, talk about you know it's okay to be yourself and talk about how important it is for you to be Ron Russell instead of being someone else. Well, first of all, the gay the reference to my gay self, I I really avoid that not because I'm ashamed of hiding it, but because why should my sexuality be important? I mean, I, how would you like it if I called you my straight friend? You know, it doesn't work. Um, I'm a person. Whatever I do, whatever my choice was, I was married for 16 years. That wasn't for me. It wasn't who I truly was. I guess I'm a bisexual man. Uh, I never really gave it much thought. But that part of me is not important. Yeah. What's important about me is I came from good stock. Very good stock. My father was from Genoa, Italy. My mother was an actress. She was a Jenny Gabriel, silent movie actress. My mother was from Hell's Kitchen, New York. She was a tough broad who moved, who moved the ropes. I was raised 
of course, with people of color, of all kinds of people being in the business, uh, the first lady to give me a bath when I came home from the hospital was Miriam, my mother's Jewish friend, and she gave me a bath in the kitchen sink from the projects. Then next door was a black lady who was a dear friend of my mother's, and her son Sammy was my age, and we used to play together. So I was lucky. I was raised in a world of um, honesty. And values, and that's, and that's something that we, yeah. we think people should have. Uh, be your life should be built on values. That's how you get have respect for everybody, and family, and all the stuff. And that's what's missing in this world is people with values and people with respect. Well, we moved out of the projects, as I said, and we bought a house, and we moved to Astoria, Queens, which was the country then. And until my parents died, every single Sunday, I went to their house with my children, with my wife, or with whoever. But that was it. Sunday was mama's house. And we'd sit out in the patio and under the trees and we'd eat Italian food and talk about whatever. I miss those days. They were wonderful days. Uh, my children growing up had dinner with me every night at a table. And this is going to sound corny and stupid, but to, to date, Jimmy thought I was weird. I only have dinner by candlelight. There's no way I will sit down and have dinner without candles burning. It's become a, a tradition with me. And my children do the same thing. We went to Leslie and Deirdre's apartment the other night and we had dinner with them and there the candles were burning. So what you teach your, what you do teaches your children and that's a fact. I never told them to put candles out, but they did it because they knew from me. So parents, be careful what you do because children will Im imitate you. And you, they will be a product of you. So if you're not a good product, those children are not going to be a good product. Twism White Peace is the sweetest guy. And he was talking about, he was raised by his grandparents and his wife was raised by her grandparents. And obviously they didn't have parents, mothers and fathers. Now I know you're a Greek and I know if you're not at mama's house every week, you're in trouble. That's very no? true. Or if I don't call her every day, or, or, or she always video chats me to see my son. And Absolutely. Greek, Greeks are very close families. And the Greeks only marry Greeks. Because when my sister was marrying Evan, who's a Greek, his sisters, Mary and Despina, were furious. Why aren't you marrying a Greek girl? Why are you marrying an Italian? And they met my sister, and they loved her. And they said to Evan, well, if you couldn't get a Greek, well, at least you got an Italian. <laughs> I got a Spanish woman, so it's kind of it's oh, forget thing. it. You're in trouble. I'm in big trouble all the time. She, oh, you're in big trouble. That best cook I've ever met, besides my 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 mom and my grandmother, because I know they'll watch this. So, Ron, yeah. I really appreciate it, and let's do this again. This is amazing. I want Absolutely. to hear more stories. You're a handsome man, and you're a good speaker, and you have a great voice. And try acting. You might do something with it. I encourage it. I mean, it stinks, but it's bound to change and go back. I know a friend of mine, Lee Winkler, who is the, the founder of Global Enterprises, the largest theatrical agency in Beverly Hills. He said, Ron, life is like you walk with a pan of water. If you walk with a pan of water, the water goes this way, and then the water comes back this way. And that's what happens. Everything old is new again. So let's hope that when you're my age, Movie making will be what it was 50 years ago.